Our text this morning comes from Colossians chapter 1. And we read here, as we learned in the prior verses leading up to verse 9, that Paul had heard of those in Colossae. He had heard of their faith. He had heard of their love of the brethren. He had heard of their good spirit that was in them. And then he says here in verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his of his dear Son, in whom we have now redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. As we find here in Colossians, we find this prayer, as I've called this sermon simply the prayer of an apostle, because that's what it is, and that's only really just a part of that prayer, the prayer of the Apostle Paul. And this morning, I want to show what we can learn about the importance about the things that we pray about. There's nothing wrong with praying for things that maybe material in nature in the sense that I have nothing wrong with with praying that our country turns itself around or that our economy turns itself around that uh, maybe I'll go to the station and pump up uh, the gas in my car and not go broke while doing so uh, but we look at here with the Apostle Paul everything he is praying about is spiritual in nature we think about those words he says there in verses 9 through 14, how he begins in verse 9 by saying that he did not cease to pray for you, as he says there in verse 9, referencing those in Colossae. Do you pray? The answer to that should be yes. How often do you pray? What do you pray about and who do you pray for? If I were to ask you, when's the last time you, played, you prayed for the congregation here in Ulagaw, what would your answer be? Not for just one individual or a few individuals or just for the sick, but when's the last time you prayed for the entire congregation? Because when Paul is speaking of those here in Colossae, he's praying not for just one or two people. He's praying for the, an entire group, for the congregation, for the Lord's church that met there at Colossae. And he prays not just for the sick or that there be, you know, have good health, but he prays for, you might say, more important things, doesn't he? In these verses, Paul prays for the church, and there's a lot that we can learn from Paul's prayers. We begin here looking at Colossians chapter 1, looking at how he prayed for the church to grow in knowledge. You ever heard the phrase, if you don't use it, you'll lose it? You know, what little Greek ability I have when it comes to the Greek language, I lost long ago. When I was in preaching school, Mother Max Patterson told us all the time, if you don't use it every single day, you're going to lose it. Well, I didn't use it every single day, and I still don't. 
But there's still ways in which we can use that. But my point being is if we are not growing a knowledge of God, and we can do so without knowing the Greek or Hebrew language, don't get ahead of me. But we should always be striving to grow in the knowledge of God. Look at Colossians chapter 1, beginning there, looking in at verse 9. He says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, that is, since he's heard of their faith and their love of the brethren and similar type of things as well, as we saw leading up to verse 9. He says, He does not cease to pray for them, and desires that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will, reference to the will of God, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, we should not stop praying for one another. And I think if we're not careful, we get into the mindset that we only pray for the sick. Don't think I'm not. Don't think that I'm against praying for the sick, but we need to pray for a lot more than that, don't we? Because sometimes we pray for those who are physically sick, but we don't realize there are some who are spiritually sick as well. And sometimes we also need to remember that we need to pray for those who are actually healthy physically and spiritually, because we need to pray for the faithful and we need to pray for for them always. We think about the faithful and the strong members of a congregation. You can pick out whoever you want. Do you think are strong and faithful? But shouldn't we pray for them to stay strong and faithful? Because all it takes for a congregation to become weak is for the faithful and strong to no longer be faithful and strong. All it takes is for the weaker to continue to grow weak and for the strong to become weak. For those who are bold in the faith to stop being so bold in the faith. For those who love the God so who love God so very much, who stop loving God so very much. See, we need to pray for not just those who are weak, not just the sick, but we need to pray that the strong remain strong and faithful to God. All of us probably have those in our minds that we are thankful for their faithfulness they have had over the years. Have you ever prayed that they remain faithful to God? Because you know here in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, that's part of what Paul's talking about. When he says here that they do not cease, that he did not cease to pray for them, that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He did not cease, meaning when they became strong and faithful and knowledgeable, and they were beyond not say babes in Christ, he didn't stop praying for them. No, he says he never stopped praying for them. The faithful and the strong need prayers just as much as everyone else. We cannot pray only for the weak. We must pray for the strong and the faithful that they will stay strong and faithful. You know, there are those who are fighting various battles and they need prayers. We're not talking about just those who are battling health problems or battling problems at work or at home, whatever it may be. Those are things we need to pray about, but we fail to realize sometimes that there are those who are battling spiritual problems, battling whether or not they want to remain faithful to God at all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, just the first part of this verse, which we'll talk about a little more later, he says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith as he's talking about remain faithful. Stay where you are in the faith that you have in God. There are a lot of things that go on today that can cause us to feel like we're going to be blown away and we're going to be pushed away from God because we're worried about so much. There are plenty of things for us to pray about, but there's also a lot of things that will never affect us. 
And some things that we cannot change, we have to pray to God about those things, allow Him to for His will to work. We reminded here in verse 13, He says, Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Why would He say watch and then to stand fast in the faith? Because don't we need to be on guard to make sure that we are standing in the Word of God, that we are standing with God? Because what Satan wants us to do first and foremost is to give up. You could say he wants you to get comfortable because then you really do begin to give up and you start taking things less and less seriously. But he wants us to stand fast in the faith because when we don't stand fast in the faith, we're going to become weak people of God. We're going to start seeing things as being, well, that's not really that serious. It's not really that big of a deal. And what do you know? The next thing we're condoning anything and everything that comes down the, comes down the way. Those who are physically weak need prayers. But friends, those who are spiritually weak need prayers as well. We pray for all of us. We pray for our congregation. We pray for our members who are sick. We pray for our members who are not here we're on the really might say defense of not being a member anymore. And don't think that we are unique in that problem because we are not. There are congregations at the Brotherhood who have members who are on the fence of even being recognized as a member anymore. We want to be those who are praying for those who are physically sick as well as those who are spiritually sick as well. Those who have not been standing fast in the faith, like Paul was mentioning here when he speaks to those in Corinth, to watch and stand fast in the faith. He also prayed that those in Colossae would please God. He prayed that they would be pleasing to God, not to him. He notice it doesn't say, I hope you do things that I like and enjoy that I'm going to be approving of. He doesn't say that at all. Look what he says in verse 10. That ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord. That means you might walk or live, that's what that was a reference to, in a way that is worthy of being someone who is a follower of the Lord, someone who is a Christian. He says unto all pleasing, meaning everything that you do is, is done in a way that's pleasing to God. In worship and in our personal lives, they have to be pleasing to God. Because when we start saying, well, what I do at home is not that important. Long as I come to church and come to the church services, we should say, on the first day of the week and I partake in everything that's going on, then I've done my part. That's not what he's talking about in verse 10, is it? That you might walk worthy of the Lord. To walk worthy of the Lord is you put God first every single day, not just the first day of the week. It's simple to be a Christian at 9.30 on a Sunday morning when you're here, isn't it? Is it hard to be a Christian at 9 a.m. Monday morning in the office? Or at the gym? Or wherever it is you may be? See, that's where the Lord sees really what we're made of, so to speak, right? We're how we live when we're not around our fellow Christians. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. He prayed that their good works might continue. Good works are great, but we must always be praying for them and their potential. One way we can please God is by doing good works and praying for their effectiveness. 
When I say effectiveness, I'm not talking about success because our effectiveness is rated, should be rated upon how many people we can reach out to at any given time. Their response, it's their response. We are called to go and to teach. It's upon them to respond in obedience. And we look here and look here at these ideas that good works, they are great, but we must always be praying for them and their potential. We can be involved in a lot of things, but if we're not praying about them and praying that they're done in a way that's pleasing to God, we've missed the point, haven't we? We can give out all the cans of food we want, but if our goal in, in that work is not to reach the lost and help them come to Christ, the living bread, right? Then our goal is off the mark. We must be praying for the works that we do and praying for their effectiveness, praying for open hearts and open minds. Good works are pleasing to God because good works are those works that are done in a way that's pleasing in God's sight. That is, their, their mission is not simply to feed the hungry or clothe those who need clothing, but to help them find God through obedience to the gospel. We can't make people obey the gospel or even be interested, but we can do what God commanded. You know, there are some ways that are more effective than others. When people out and out give up on certain things, isn't it a little bit discouraging? You know, door knocking, and you maybe get upset, is not the most effective way to reach people. You know, I still have no problem door knocking. Mailings may not reach people with the gospel, meaning they may not obey it. But I still think we should send them out. You know why that is? They still get a chance to hear. They still get a chance to read. They still get a chance to learn about God. And we must realize that we must do all that we can to reach out to those around us and stop measuring success in a worldly standard. The command is to get the message out. We must continue our good works, and we must pray for them. Paul also prayed uh, that they would uh, bear good fruit for God. Bear good fruit for God. I mean, he prayed for their success. He wanted them to get the message out. We realize it's up to people to obey it. But he prayed that people would obey what they heard, didn't he? Looking at Colossians chapter 1, looking again this time at verse 10. He says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now we have a gospel meeting that starts next Sunday. I got here really quickly, didn't I? <laughs> what is the goal of that gospel meeting? Think about that. Why do we call it a gospel meeting? Because it's centered around the gospel, isn't it? Our purpose is to teach people the gospel and give them the, every opportunity we can for them to come and hear at least a portion of the gospel. You realize that we are fruitful when we do that? That we are pleasing in God when we do that? That people get to hear and get to consider Bible truths. That's what God wants us to do. Be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Not just in our evangelism, but we should be can be fruitful by growing by ourselves, growing in the knowledge of God. He wanted them to keep on doing what they were doing. We hear sometimes a phrase "keep on keeping on," meaning sometimes you have to do exactly that. Keep moving forward, don't we? We keep preaching. 
We keep teaching, we keep sending things out, and we don't ever stop. Those who obey, we praise God for, and those who don't, well, we keep trying, don't we? We keep moving forward. He also wanted them to be, to be fruitful, so they had to be knowledgeable of the Scriptures. If we're going to be fruitful in our endeavors, we have to be those who know God's Word and be able to show others the truth of God's Word. We need to be increasing in the knowledge of God. We must not simply read God's Word. We must read it to understand. You know, I like having daily Bible reading schedules and things such as that, but I think sometimes, you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. We need to do more than just read, don't we? Read to understand, to gain knowledge of God's Word. We, can't, we also cannot defend ourselves from false teaching if we do not know God's word. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. In knowledge of what? God, his commands. And by, and by doing that, we can do what? We can grow more in our judgment of what is right and what is wrong, what God approves and what God condemns. We must be growing in God's word. He also prayed that they would be strengthened. As we look at Colossians chapter 1, looking at verse 11. He says, Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. How are they strengthened? Well, didn't he just talk about becoming more knowledgeable? That's how they're strengthened. Wasn't he talking about praying for all of them? That's how they're strengthened. See, much we read builds upon the other. Praying for one another, we are strengthened. We are encouraged. We study God's word and we grow. We are strengthened and encouraged. We reach out to the lost and we are strengthened and encouraged. They build upon one another. He says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, we are strengthened by God's word. Only with comfort and strength from God's word could they endure hardships. The same is still true today. We think about when we reach out to those around us, does it sometimes come with hardship? When we invite people to services or to a gospel meeting, we're knocking their doors, trying to talk with them about God, the church, the Bible. Aren't we putting ourselves at risk of having them not be receptive and us becoming discouraged? Well, yeah. We're also running the chance of being encouraged by their response. We look around us today, it's very clear, at least in my mind, that the world is looking for something. They just haven't quite figured out what it is yet. And we were reminded in Psalm 36 and verse 7, the Bible says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They put their trust in God. We want to encourage those around us to put their trust in God. People today so many times are looking for someone who they can trust, who will provide protection or help in various times of need. There's no better place than God. As we talked about last week, you know, we cannot rely on men all the time for everything. 
And we shouldn't. That shouldn't be the first one we reach to. God should be the first one we reach to. He's the one who gives us guidance and encouragement. And we are reminded here in verse 7, he says, What is excellent? His loving kindness. His loving kindness. And for that reason, he says, The children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. God is love. We've said it before, right? He shows kindness to all of us each and every day. When we are a Christian, we have kindness shown to us that when we sin, we make a mistake. We can confess those things to God, repent of those things. The Bible tells us He forgives us of those things, 1 John 1 and verse 9. He also tells us because He loves us so dearly, John 3 and verse 16, that when we obey the gospel, we can have heaven as our home. When we obey the gospel. Loving kindness. That loving kindness is why we put our trust in God. Today we should know where to turn in difficult times. We must use the source of comfort and knowledge God has given us, and that is His Word. It's the same thing that the Apostle Paul used, right? He used the Scriptures. He used the Old Testament to remind people of simple truths. Put your trust in God. Put your faith in His Son. We must not forget another source of comfort and strength, the same source the Apostle Paul was using here, and that is prayer. He says again he was praying all the time for them. We should be praying people as well. We must remember that by prayer we do communicate with God through Christ. So let us be those who are praying people. Paul also wanted them to be thankful to God. You notice his prayer doesn't just include asking for things or hoping that they'll do certain things, but he's hoping here that they'll be thankful to God. You know, if we're not careful in our lives, our prayers are kind of a, Lord, help me, Lord, provide for me, Lord, I need this, and it's not enough of, Lord, thank you, is it? In Colossians chapter 1, we reminded here of some words from the Apostle Paul about what the Father did for them. In Colossians 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has made us to be partakers of the inheritance. A reference to we could have heaven as our home one day. He has done that. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, who, God, has translated us into the kingdom of, kingdom of His dear Son. Who has done that? God. God hath done these things, he says there in verses 12 and 13. The Father showed mercy upon them exceedingly and repeatedly, just like he does still for us today. The Father made it possible to deliver them from the power of darkness, that is sin, and he has done the same for us still today. He had made it possible for them to come out of darkness. You go back and look at Colossians 1, look at verse 13, which had delivered us from the power of darkness, that is the power of sin. He has brought us out from beneath the power of sin and has translated us or conveyed us into the kingdom of His dear Son. That is, we could have heaven as our home. He has brought us out of sin and by obedience to the gospel we are placed into the church. And the church gets to have the heaven as their home one day. He has conveyed us, he says, delivered us from the power of darkness. That's why I prayed that they would give thanks to God. 
He wanted them also to pray and give thanks to God for what the Son has done for them as well, as we see in Colossians 1 and verse 14. In Colossians 1 and verse 14, the Bible says here, who, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Christ was the means by which they, by which they and we gain salvation and are conveyed or placed into his kingdom. Only by the blood of Christ are we saved, and for this reason we should be thankful. We should be thankful. Think about this. In Corinthians 9, verse, verse 15, Paul simply says, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. You think about what God has done for us and what he has done for us through his son. How do you put into words the things that we have for that? He literally saved us from eternity and damnation. He saved us from the power of darkness. That's why the Apostle Paul says here, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And how do you put things into words for what God has done for us? That's how Paul prayed so very often. He prayed for others and he prayed for their thankfulness that they would give thanks to God. He prayed for th that they would grow in their knowledge of God, that they would always be fruitful. He prayed that they would always, you might say, remember who they were, right? Followers of God. Paul prayed in such a way that we can learn from it. When Paul prayed, he prayed for certain things almost every time. He prayed for the brethren. He prayed for knowledge. He prayed for strength. He prayed for wisdom. He prayed that they be thankful. We see that pattern over and over again from the Apostle Paul. Maybe not all together and every single time he prays, but some of them are there every time. And that shows you what his mindset was. It wasn't a person who prayed to God and said, give me this, give me that. No, he prayed to God for other people, and he prayed to God to say thank you. And we can learn from that example. He prayed for the weak and the strong. He prayed for strength and to continue, to, to, to continue good works. He prayed for them to remember and be thankful for what, what has been done for them. And we, too, can pray for similar things and be thankful for what he has done, what has been done for us. Paul was one who prayed for others always. Isn't it interesting he's the same one who said pray without ceasing? Because it seems that's pretty close to what the Apostle Paul did. He prayed all the time. How often, maybe more importantly, what do you pray about? Who do you pray for? And how often do you give thanks to God for all that he has done for you? Not just for others, but for you. Because friends, when we stop and we think about what God has done for us as an individual, friends, we'll have no way, no reason for us to ever stop praying to God. Not just to say thank you, but also to pray for others. They will enjoy the same blessings from God that we have enjoyed as well.